start yelling, then it's going to really get loud. (laughs) I hope all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and enjoyed some wonderful time with family and some good food, and you didn't overeat, and now you can repent. So um, all of that happening together. We've got a couple announcements that we want to bring to your attention as we get started today. Um, Next Sunday, there will be a blood drive. Uh, um, the blood mobile will be outside, so please, if you're able, um, I know they would uh, appreciate and our community would appreciate, and all those who are in need of blood would also appreciate it very much. Um, also, next week on, uh, I think it's on Thursday, there will be a meeting at Debbie Schweppes' house for a ministry um, that the ladies of our congregation will be collaborating with. It's called Days for Girls. And I saw a bit on the news, I think it was Thursday or Friday of last week, uh, about this ministry and this initiative. And basically it's to help young girls in Africa primarily, but perhaps in other places, um, deal with the situation of not having feminine hygiene products available to them. And so the ministry will be making uh, (coughs) reusable products uh, that will be much more effective. So please consider participating. If you can't make it, the uh, Debbie's contact information is inside the bulletin, and you can talk to her. They're talking about maybe having another day uh, to do that. Then there are a couple things about uh, uh, breakfast with some big fat guy dressed in red. Um, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but you can uh, uh, join in on that on December 14th, and there's some other activities that we've got coming, so hopefully uh, those will be uh, uh, things that you can do on your calendar. Last week we had our Blessed to be a Blessing, and we collected uh, $8,200 for the Bahamas, and so uh, we appreciate very deeply your generosity, and we will get that money to... Uh, the congregations and the brothers and sisters there. We also want to thank, I want to thank everyone who stayed to express their appreciation to Bob and Barbara uh, Perkins uh, for their many years, their decades of faithful service to the Lord and to his church here in South Florida. And uh, we celebrated um, his retirement from uh, from being an elder. So please, um, when you see them, uh, 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 continue to to congratulate them for their service. In 1969, uh, the American rock group Chicago released their hit song, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? Uh, It was an interesting mix of rock guitars and brass with their horns, and uh, it became quite popular, and that organization, that that group became quite popular. It it seems that our culture, especially our consumer-oriented culture, has lost track of what time it really is. I saw Christmas decorations going up before Halloween, and uh, it's like, wait a second, um, do you really know what time it is? It's not even Halloween yet. Um, Black Friday, which Robert mentioned, began, I think, a couple weeks ago, and it's going to continue for another couple more weeks. Um, It just seems our culture has gotten kind of the timing of events out of whack And I think all of that confusion has led to confusion on the part of Mother Nature about when winter was supposed to come. Um, The the high today is forecast to be 84. Uh, The high tomorrow is 83. But then, we can hope, it's supposed to turn a little bit chilly and uh, get down into the 40s tomorrow evening. So that'll be uh, a, a nice change of pace. 
What time is it? Well, today is actually the beginning of a season in the religious calendar called Advent. And many churches, uh, Christian churches, are celebrating this season of Advent. It's not a word in Churches of Christ that we've used very frequently. It simply comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. And what it does is it highlights the arrival of the coming of Jesus Christ to the world, which traditionally has been recognized as Christmas time. We know that Jesus most likely was not born on Christmas Day. Most likely it was either in the fall, most people think it was in the spring, um, because the pastors, the sheep, shepherds were outside on the, uh, um, uh, on the grass feeding their sheep in the, in the fields, and so that wouldn't have happened in the dead of winter, like on a December 25th. Regardless, we know that Jesus came, and the traditional date, December 25th, has been recognized and celebrated And as we get ready for that, there's any number of preparations that will take place. Perhaps you've already made that change in your house. Uh, I've seen pictures of different families that already have Christmas trees, that already have their decorations. And typically, we have the holdouts like myself that kind of like, no, I refuse to do that before Thanksgiving's over. And so now we will enter into that season. Thanksgiving is still continuing through today, and then tomorrow will begin the next season. Well, the Advent season, as it's known, is actually celebrating more than just the coming of Jesus in, as a baby in Bethlehem. It's also celebrating the coming of Jesus at the end of time. The Greek word parousia is translated by the same Latin word adventus. And this refers to that time when Jesus will come back, the second coming when he will take all of his faithful home. And then there's a third sense where this is a season to celebrate Jesus' coming, not only as a baby in Bethlehem, and not only at the end of time as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, but also as Jesus comes to each of our hearts, as we recognize his lordship and his control and rule, his kingship in our hearts and in our lives. And so we celebrate uh, that time as well. So for the next four weeks, beginning today, we'll be talking about what it looks like to prepare for Jesus' coming. What does it mean for us to be awaiting the coming of the Lord And so today I want to focus on waking up or not oversleeping. There's probably no worse feeling than to be woken up by someone shaking you and yelling in your face, Wake up! You've overslept! Do you know what time it is? It's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. And... There are certain times when it's even more horrible than others. Let's say you have a job interview and you oversleep and you miss the interview. Or how about it's your first day at that new job (laughs) and you oversleep and you arrive late. No one wants to oversleep on their wedding day and miss some of the festivities there. Uh, That could have dire consequences (laughs) 
But, but of all the days for you to oversleep, I, I think probably in Scripture and in spiritual terms, the one day you don't want to oversleep and you don't want to miss it is the day Jesus comes back. Can you imagine how horrible that would be to realize that you had missed the day when Jesus had come back to take his people home? Well, we might be sleeping at that time, but spiritually, we don't want to oversleep. And this is what Paul's message is to the Romans in our text for today. It's wake up. Do you know what time it is? Do you realize where we are in history? Do you realize that our salvation is nearer today than it was when you first believed? It's, we are nearer to salvation today than when Jesus first came. We are nearer to salvation today than perhaps we've ever been. Because every day takes us one step closer. Today, you are closer to seeing Jesus when he comes or when we leave this earth to see him, than we have ever been. Now, Paul is writing to a church that is waiting. I think all of us are pretty good at waiting for maybe the first few minutes, maybe for an hour or two. The early church waited for Jesus to come back, but then after months, years, Decades, early Christians like we today might get a little frustrated. It had been four decades since Jesus had walked the earth and been uh, uh, killed, was buried and resurrected. And these brothers and sisters in Rome were waiting for Jesus to come back. The excitement of him coming back at any moment began to fade and as the realization that God doesn't work on our time, that we're actually living on God's time, began to sink in. And it might not happen in my lifetime. It might not happen in my children's lifetime. It might not happen in my great, great, great grandchildren's lifetime. And so how do we keep that hope alive? How do we keep that hope fresh how do we keep from getting cynical and, and jaded like some people in the first century when they said, oh, God's forgotten. He's not coming back. And scoffers will say, well, you, you really can't put your hope in that because if he hasn't come back in 2,000 years, why do you think he's going to come back tomorrow? Well, part of what this season of Advent is designed to do is to help recapture that amazement, that wonderment, that realization that, yes, we are waiting. And, and what we see with Jesus' coming is not only that God loves us, but that God showed up to be one of us, to express and to demonstrate how much he wanted to join us, to let us know that we are not alone. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And when Jesus was born, God was showing us what he had been telling us for years and years and years. I am with you. 
I will be with you. But while we're waiting for that day to come, what do we do? Sit around, twiddle our thumbs. Story is told that St. Francis was out sowing some seed uh, centuries ago and said, when would Jesus come back? He was asked, when would Jesus come back? And he said, well, it could be today. And then he was asked, well, if it's today, what are you going to do? And San Francis looked at the individual and said, well, I'm going to keep on sowing seed. We have to be about what God's about. We have to make sure that when Jesus comes, he finds us doing what he wants us to do. Now, wouldn't it have been easier if God just told us the date? Wouldn't it that just, let's, let's take all the, 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 the guesswork out of it. Because every year people say they know when Jesus is coming back and they'll tell you the date and they'll tell you the time, they'll tell you the place. And invariably the next day they have to put out a retraction. But what, what, what are we supposed to do? Well, imagine if God had told us that he's coming back on December 3rd, 2019. That's Tuesday. What would you do today? Well, I'll probably kick back and watch a football game, have a nice lunch of Thanksgiving leftovers. What, what would you do tomorrow? Now, you might think about getting ready. And then maybe probably on December 2nd in the nighttime, then start cleaning the house and kind of get things ready and get everything in ship shape. Because, see, we have this tendency to procrastinate until we have to do something. And I think God knows that if he were to tell us the date, then we would do whatever we wanted to until the last possible moment and then cram and put everything in order. What would happen if he came the day before he said he was going to come? Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I teach a number of Internet Bible courses with institutes, and we have a date for the exam. And all of the students know this is the date and this is the time, 10 o'clock on this particular date. What would happen if I emailed them and say, oh, by the way, change of plans, the, the actual date is going to be uh, now. <laughs> there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And my name would be brought up in unpleasant ways, I'm sure. Well, when we know there's a time, we wait. And then we get caught off guard. I remember the first time we went to visit someone after we had moved to Argentina, and I didn't know the cultural uh, 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 rules yet. They told us to be at their house at uh, 8 o'clock for dinner. Okay. We thought, wow, that's a little bit late for dinner, but okay, we'll go for 8 o'clock. So about two minutes before 8, we're standing in front of the door, knock on the door, and there's no answer. We knock on it again, and we hear noises in the background right inside the house, and people are running everywhere, and, uh, and you can hear somebody yelling, somebody's at the door in Spanish, and the, and the other one says, who would be coming at this time? And then the other one says, get the door. And so then they come to the door. Gentleman's in his bathrobe. His hair's a mess. 
And he looks at us and he says, what are you doing here? And I thought, oh no, we got the wrong day. I said, weren't we supposed to have dinner? Yes. Well, didn't you tell us eight o'clock? Yes. So again, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and I looked at Catherine, I'm like, what? What's I said, it's eight o'clock. He said, yes. That means you don't come until nine o'clock. <laughs> We're not ready for you yet. I said, um, okay. <laughs> so we went and had a coffee and, a, and, a, and came back and, uh, and, and came back around nine o'clock and we were still the first ones there. Well, if you were to show up early, if Jesus were to show up early, he would catch a lot of people off guard. And, and so as Christians, what God expects is that we live in a constant state of preparation, that we be ready. Because it truly could be today. And even if Jesus doesn't come back today, I could go to be with him. And we never know when that moment will be. So this season, and today in particular, this first day of the Advent season, is a day of preparation. We wait for Jesus and we don't want to be asleep, so we listen to Paul's encouragement, and we wake up. This is all the more urgent, he says in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and following. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Paul's using two images, that of night and day. Night being the time before Jesus is coming and before God shows up. The night when evil things are done and the day being the time of new creation and God's presence in the earth. And he also uses this imagery of clothing, how we take off our old dirty clothing or we take off our night clothing, our pajamas, and we put on the shining armor of right living. And to help us understand what that right living and what that clothing should look like, he says, we belong to the day. So we must live decent lives for all to see. We don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling or jealousy. Now, most of the things that we've just read, we would understand would be deeds of the darkness. We would understand that wild partying and drunkenness and sexual immorality or promiscuity and immoral living, we would understand that those things belong to the dark. And that as Christians, we shouldn't have anything to do with that kind of lifestyle. It might surprise us to know that Paul puts quarreling and jealousy in that same category. Because I know a lot of Christians who quarrel. I know a lot of Christians who are envious, which is another word for jealousy. I know a lot of Christians who are not happy with what they have and they want what someone else has. Hence, Black Friday, where I can get a better deal and a bigger TV and more nice things. 
And, and it's surprising and almost jarring that Paul would include those kinds of things as deeds of the nighttime, of the darkness. But he does. Because evidently in God's mind, those things are just as far from his light as the things that we would imagine. And rather than doing those things, he says, clothe yourselves or ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. And so there's this sense of putting off and putting on. Paul says it's time to wake up. It's time to get out of bed and get dressed for the day. The theological alarm clock is ringing. And God is calling all of us to leave the darkness and join him in the light. This is a time of anticipation. That time when the alarm clock rings and you hit the snooze and you're kind of halfway in between awake and asleep. We're in between those times of Jesus' first coming and his second We know the history, we know the promises, and we look forward to that time, but it's not there yet. It's not here yet. But now is the time we should be getting dressed, and now is the time we should be getting ready. And the clothing that Paul wants us to put on is the very Lord Jesus Christ. Just like we put on fresh clothes in the morning when we get out of bed, begin our day, Paul wants us to put on Jesus Christ. You know, the partying and the drunkenness and those types of sins hurt ourselves. They cloud our thinking and our judgment. They don't help, they help us, they prohibit us from seeing things clearly. But the jealousy and the quarreling destroy our relationships with one another and they prevent us from seeing things clearly, from seeing one another clearly. And so Paul is saying there's a day coming when we will all be awake, we'll all be dressed with Jesus Christ and we'll begin to live this new life with him. But how do you do that? How do you stay focused? You know, I think... A personal private time where you simply read scripture and let God speak to you. Where you perhaps would sing or you would pray, you would meditate. Whether you take one verse and you just kind of roll it around in your head all day long like a a hard candy and you just savor it. Or, Or you read a couple chapters in the morning and let that kind of permeate your thinking as you go through. Those private devotions, I think, are one way to help. Another, for those of us who have made the decision to be baptized and to follow the Lord, we can think back to that time when we made that transition. I don't know if you've thought about your baptism day or your conversion day, the day that you were saved. If you remember who was present and what kind of day it was. Do you remember how cold the water was? Was it inside a church building? Was it outside? Was it at the swimming pool? Was it in a creek or a lake? Do you remember the feelings of nervousness you felt beforehand and then the joy and the freedom that you felt after? It might have been just, well, Wednesday night we had a young man baptized here. 
It might be as recently as this week. It might have been 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But for most of us, that day is ingrained in our minds and our psyche because that's the day we began to walk this new life. And I don't think it's an accident that throughout Scripture, Paul uses this image of putting off and putting on in the context of baptism. We put off our old deeds when we die to Christ, when we are buried with him in the water. And we put on Christ when we are raised again to walk this new life. And it's interesting how Paul's expectation is not only that we do that once for all, but it's a continual thing once we realize who we are. The front page article on December 25th, Christmas Day, 2007, the Chicago Tribune had this story. At Christmas, a rebirth. Su Zhu Zhan, Chinese individual, thought Americans celebrated Christmas as part of their patriotic duty. She had come from China and was immersed in U.S. culture, and she thought relatives gave gifts, neighbors prepared food, stores in Chinatown advertised sales. But during her eight years in Chicago in the United States, no one ever told her the biblical story of what this was all about. She thought it was just something you do. Until this year, 2007. And on that day, she celebrated the coming of Jesus by being immersed in the Chinese Christian Union Church. She said that I had thought that all of this was just for fun. And now I realize there is a reason. And as she came out of the water... The article, this is the, the Chicago Tribune. It says, she came out of the water. She wiped the water away from her face and smiled. She said, today is like a holiday. This was Christmas Day. Today is like a holiday. <laughs> it's like having two Christmases. Celebrating Jesus' birth and celebrating her birth. I imagine most of us have been preparing for Christmas. Making purchases putting up decorations, getting everything ready, buying airplane tickets. But let me suggest that as you do all those kinds of preparations, that you take this time to think about how to prepare your soul. What does your soul need? What needs to be cleaned up in your soul? What needs to be put off and what needs to be put on if you've not been baptized in as, as an adult, then that's something you need to do. You need to wake up from the night and begin walking in the day. And Paul demonstrates in this text and others that baptism is the way that you do that. Perhaps you've been baptized and you're still struggling with some sort of sin, one either that distracts you from your true purpose in life and clouds your mind so that you can't think and see clearly, or one that has hurt your relationship with one another. How can you put that off? And what do you need to do to begin a new day and a new life? Maybe it's you need to confess. 
Maybe it's need you need to confide in someone. Perhaps some people at church could pray for you. I think what you'll find is if you'll take the step, both mentally and physically, towards reconciliation, you'll find that there are a lot of people here who have been in the same situation. A lot of people here have struggled with different sins and different conflicts and different issues. We all tend to think that we're the only ones who have ever had this problem. The reality is, is we're all pretty much in the same boat. And so during this time of Advent, during this time of expecting the coming of Jesus, let's use it to prepare not only the outside, not only the decorations at our house, but let's use it to prepare the inside, our own spiritual lives. If we can help you in any way, we would love to do so, and we invite you to come to the front while we stand and sing. Whoa.